The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome back to This Is Working. On every episode of This Is Working, we talk to leaders who've had a significant impact on business and society. Today, we're talking to Baron Davis. When Baron Davis was in the NBA, he was known for breaking records. The two-time NBA All-Star had a pro sports career spanning an incredibly rare 13 years. Baron played for the Hornets, the Warriors, the Clippers, the Knicks, where he became his own agent. He was unstoppable on and off the court, where he was super savvy about plotting his life for when he left basketball, or when basketball left him. Over the years, Barron founded three different companies. He invested in brands like Vitamin Water and Thrive Market. Now he's hoping to help young entrepreneurs of color by sharing tips and advice from his playbook. Recently, Barron and rapper Master P teamed up in an effort to buy Reebok from Adidas, where the brand had largely been sidelined. So I started off by asking him to tell us more about that. Here's our conversation. Our mission is still the same, to be able to position ourselves to have, you know, that conversation and really pull together our culture. And we feel like, you know, these industries have been basically reaping the benefits off of, you know, black and brown and, and, and people of color and women, you know, who are the purchasers, the, the marketers, the creatives, the manufacturers. And so for us, you know, it's just a golden opportunity for us to get in front of Adidas and, and be able to present our plan for, you know, opportunities for people of color to have a seat at the table. That's so interesting. I didn't realize how much of this was a social mission, even beyond a financial one. You see this as being something that will enable you to bring back jobs, money, and bring new career opportunities to people who aren't getting them right now? Yes, I feel, you know, when you have an opportunity like this, you look at, you know, everybody's looking at the big brand, right? And thinking about the big pie in the sky. But when you start thinking about all the jobs and the opportunities and the people that you can affect, all the chances, you know, for new designers, for people of color working in, you know, executive positions, right? New marketing companies, agencies, you know, just looking at the whole chain of command, you know, when you're when we're looking at any business, especially corporate America, and looking at, you know, where can we start the incubation process? Where can we start teaching and, and what better place than industries and subject matters that we know and, and we participate in? You know, it's so interesting. I and mean, we, we see this constantly on LinkedIn as people uh, feeling like they are banging their heads against a closed door, that they're saying, I've got all this talent. We see this, especially in, in the shoe world. I see this all the time where people will say like, I, I've got these designs and something I'm passionate about and I'm a designer and I can't figure out a way to get in the door. Is that something that you are trying to do more widely? You have so many businesses now that you are, have been off the court for a number of years. How do you think about what you're doing as being, uh, as being something that can open the door for others? Well, you know, I, I've, I've been extremely fortunate in my life, in my career, and ever since I was a child, having opportunities in L.A. to go to private school, go to UCLA. And so, you know, I've always paid it forward. Um, and I think now the opportunity is to invest in the next generation, and that's education, those boot camps, financial boot camps, that's getting out there and being a part of the community so these kids can 
you know, see you, touch you, talk to you, you know, ask you questions about your career, where you are now. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do is we can start, you know, incubating and, and, and changing our conversation that we're having with the youth, right? And giving them cheat codes to understand, you know, the economics of business, right? The financial literacy, you know, in banking and savings and things like that. So there's different ways to translate it. And I think experience is the best teacher. And for us, if we can start incubating at a small level, thinking about, you know, our community first, then we're gonna find the next great talent and be able um, to manufacture that and, and see that talent you know, get to where they're supposed to. Let's stay on the financial uh, literacy question. It's something you've really been focused on lately. Will you talk about some of your efforts in that area? Yeah, for me, it's kind of putting my money where my mouth is. Uh, you know, I invested in UNES, which is a 529 uh, fintech platform for college savings and, and, and family gifting. And I also invested in Goal Setter. Um, and Goal Setter is a, a fintech learning platform and gamification platform for teens and tweens to uh, learn, you know, savings and they get to spend off their own debit account by answering quizzes and things like that. And, you know, we, we talk often about the word financial literacy. And I think with what Goal Setter is doing, um, with what UNES is doing is, is for us to really start to create language, right? That can, that can be almost like an inviting language to uh, people in the urban community, right? And so we have to do a better job, right, uh, of the next generation of, of leaders and uh, of entrepreneurs, especially in financial literacy. It's helping us understand what financial literacy is, right? And so sometimes words can be, you know, a bob wire. And uh, for us in our ecosystem, the way that we think is we have to remove that bob wire. We have to take financial literacy and create financial understandings, financial storytelling, financial content, right? Those are the things that we should be teaching because these kids learn through experience. They learn through creating content. They learn through games. So we have to meet them at their level. And uh, that's why I'm ex super excited about, you know, both of these companies and the mission that they're on. When you say these words are barbed wire, is the idea that they are they keep people out. You hear these phrases and you're like, I don't know what they mean. And so this is not, this is a world that's not for me. Yeah. I would say even when I was in the NBA, um, you know, they come with the financial literacy program and it's like financial and literacy. Like to me, that didn't even go together. Right. So you automatically, you know, kind of turn a deaf ear to it. And so we need to just think about the way that we, you know, invite people to learn about finance, right. To learn about, you know, the education of finance and, 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 and what it means instead of a lot of times just, you know, sticking with words and, and having words trend and, and become like the stereotypes for, for what we get people to kind of learn under. So, you know, for me, it's always like, all right, what is financial literacy? So I have to figure out what that was. Hmm. And then now I have to translate that, you know, for myself and for the people who, who share the same you know, goals and characteristics as far as investing in life after basketball or life inside of sports. When did you realize that this was an education that you needed or have you always understood this? I was my own agent when I was uh, 21 years old. 
And so I've pretty much had to learn to manage my own career, my own money, pick the right managers. Um, and so it's been like learning on the fly and I invested in myself when I was young in the NBA, the companies and the things that I invested in, you know, I treated that like going to business school and paying for business school. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's in my DNA, so, so to speak. And I think now for me, it's really just kind of using my life story and my trajectory in the league to be, you know, a storyteller and a pioneer and a translator um, to all the young kids that are coming up now. If there are other people who are watching this and saying, I want to be a translator, I want to understand how to talk to young people or people who are not, who don't understand financial literacy. As you were saying, they hear these two terms together and they're like, I don't care about either of those two terms. I'm not going to get invested here. How do you translate that? How do you remove the barbed wire? What are some of the ways that you talk about it that young people uh, or people who aren't around this are understanding and say, yeah, I, I need to get this? You know, it's almost like... Uh the lemonade stand parable that we use, right? You know, kids go start a lemonade stand, go to a grocery store, you buy your lemons, you know, how many cups can you get? And then if you start taking that all the way up the chain and saying, you know what, people really love this lemonade, now you have to make more, right? Now you have to create a brand out of it, hmm. you know, and we can explain, you know, lemonade, right? Uh, as, a, as an example from Paul Newman, to uh, simply made, you know, all the way to my kids opening up a lemonade stand. And so if we can kind of create those narratives, right, where we can actually show and, and, and actually react to, and, and it feels like it's a part of our life, then that's where we need to just cut to the chase and get to the point, right? And use examples like that to, you know, explain to our youth the power of saving, the power of being an entrepreneur, right? And all those intangibles. And when you were in the NBA, how did you did, did you think about this idea of creating wealth that would last beyond your career, or did you know that when you got out of the NBA, you would then start figuring out what comes next? How intentional were you in thinking about what your career path was going to be like once you left uh, basketball? Uh, super intentional, I I, I would say. Uh, that kind of led me to the vitamin water deal. Hmm. You know, there was Sprite, there was Powerade, there was Gatorade, and everybody was taking these six-figure deals. And, you know, I looked at vitamin water and I said, here's a golden opportunity that if this company, if I invest in this company, right, then I can turn down a six-figure deal, but this company will go far beyond where I am in my career. And at that time, I was an all-star. And so, you know, I just thought about if I can, you know, be a part of this and use my platform to introduce people to this brand, I'd love to see where it goes. And then, uh, you know, shout out to the vitamin water team at the time. They took me under their wing and really showed me, you know, let me get involved in the marketing and the branding and, and just really kept me exposed to, you know, every trajectory, every, every route that they took you know, to get to their exit. And so with that, I just start thinking about, I'm probably not going to win an NBA championship. I'm probably not going to be a 10 time all-star, you know, different people have different paths. And so I need to be thinking about other things and being able to walk away from this game and not rely on this game, you know, where I have to play through an injury or I have to play through uh, a lot of mental stress and things like that, that comes with that. And so, you know, earlier in my career, I was always thinking about saving. I was scared. 
I was always looking at, you know, where are these opportunities that exist that I can use my platform to connect and invest. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tober Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product, though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so... We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Uh, I remember years ago, I talked to Junior Bridgman, uh, MBA great, who talked about just absolutely having to drill this into NBA players, saying, you are going to focus, you got to focus on what comes next, like always. And then he he owned uh, huge numbers of Wendy's. He became really successful there. And... Um, he bought Ebony. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so how do you identify new business opportunities and what system metrics do you use to measure its potential and viability? <laughs> instincts. <laughs> you know, I think in, instincts and connectivity, the way we look at it is, one, uh, I was taught to invest in the entrepreneur. And, you know, if you really like an entrepreneur, the first one may not work, but if you built the right relationship, you know, and you believe that they'll be successful, then, you know, you should you should always invest in the people. And then next, you should look at the business and think about where does this business make sense? Right. And where in the you know, where in the world in their ecosystem do they fit? And then third, I think, which is you know our secret sauce is how can we help amplify and connect and help this company skip the line? Right. Mm-hmm. And if we and if we can do that, that means we fully understand it. And we have people in our ecosystem, in our network that could be advisors and other investors um, or champions of, of, of that company. And so that's kind of like our three pillars that we look through. And then I would say the fourth one is what kind of impact, who's on your cap table, who's in your company, right? And are you hiring women? Are you hiring people of color, right? Uh, what is your take on and your view and, and your point of view on you know humanity right things like that i think are super important for us because it's important to build the right ecosystem and my mission was to look at minority as a different word and flip that to the majority and so you know taking this word minority and saying that you know there's a lot more of us right that are more like-minded if we're minority uh to move together and so just sorting through that stuff and, and just kind of really basing it on, on instincts and, and also on, 
you know, the smartest people, let them vet it and, and, and get their, you know, their information and notes. So, you know, we're fully detailed and, you know, it, it, it all comes with our playbook. It's a great playbook. So it's instincts, market, amplify and humanity, sort of, sort of the key components of it. Absolutely. I want to go back to your point about amplify on the show. We've talked a lot about this is the role the business uh, has started to play in amplifying messages of, uh, of racial inequality of, of rep- as you talk about represent humanity. How do you make sure that you are, that your companies are not just giving back and being good for the environment, but actually doing positive things that make the world better in terms of who you're hiring and who you're sourcing from. Uh, what role do you think athletes have to play in that, if if any at all? Um, I think that the athletes are super important. Um, when you think about, you know, sports and, and what sports have, has been in its entirety of, you know, going back to the Olympics, sports has always been the peacemaker. Sports has, you know, probably been the most inclusive. And when you look at the role of an athlete, you look at somebody who, you know, people want to say, like, we are not capable or we shouldn't, but, you know, we actually live it, right? We are the most connected to the fans, right? Yeah. They know our face. They see our face. We're out at restaurants. They're high-fiving us. They're, you know, talking, you know, it's, it's, it's conversation. You know, it's, it's sometimes they're walking up, bumping, bumping chests, you know, and then we come from these places, right? So a lot of us, we can identify with each other because even the guys from overseas, we all come from, you know, places that where we've been marginalized, right? And, you know, even as an athlete, I think a lot of times we get marginalized by just the sport we play. And so I think it's super important for all athletes to speak up because they're highly intelligent, they're sensitive, they're empathetic, and usually we're the ones who are also marginalized as well. And so we have a role and a responsibility to stick up for the people. And I'm curious what your take is on college athletes getting paid. I know California has made some progress in this area or kind of moved the, the entire country on this area. NCAA has certain thoughts about it. You were in college for two years. You had some um, run-ins with the NCAA. And what's your take? Should these college athletes be getting paid? Are things moving fast enough? What do you think? They should. I think it's it's super important that college athletes get paid because they don't have any resources, right? And so, you know, you get injured. You know, I remember getting injured at UCLA, and I had to pay for my own surgery uh, because I needed to go to a doctor that I knew could do my surgery where I have a chance to make it to the NBA. And so I had to take a loan out, right, in order to pay for my surgery because I did not want the UCLA doctors to work on my knee because of the other athletes that were seniors and juniors. You know, they were just like, yo, bro, like, get a second opinion, you know. And so you learn from your peers. And then, you know, you start thinking about the time that you have off, right? You think about the money and the resources that the school is making. Right. Education is great. But what happens after school? Right. What happens to that number one player that, you know, you've made millions and millions of dollars off their jersey and they don't make it to the league. They have to start over. Right. And so a lot of times I just think that the athletes always being force fed like, hey, you get a free education. But think about 
you know, the responsibility that they have for the school and the responsibility that they have for themselves is it's it's different than a normal student. You know, it's more you're you're, you're in a professional arena in a professional setting and everyone is benefiting off of it except for, you know, the athletes. Except for the athletes, right. What should a rising college athlete learn first? Contracts, compensation. If you were putting together your own course of study for these athletes in college, what would you say is like, hey, these are the 101 courses? I would say uh, savings. We would start with savings, right? And just show how, you know, putting your money in the bank, how that how that can, you know, one, just like build you a nest egg. And then I think at that point, you know, you work you work from your savings to your taxes. Then you work from your taxes to your investing. Then you work from your investing to, you know, who you are, right? What is your DNA? What is your makeup? What are the products that you're using? What are the products that you're drinking? You know, where are the places that you're going? And then you start to you start to explain, you know, stocks and things like that. You know, I think as it pertains to the lifestyle of the athlete and what their interests are. And I think that's a better way. That's how I start to learn and understand it. And now I invest in companies that I use. There are companies that I'm a fan of. And, you know, uh, I think it's, you know, it's paying off well. That's great. Uh, Baron, I got one last question for you. Right before we went on, you pulled out a trophy that was, I think, a Domino's trophy. Is that right? Domino champion. <laughs> I know that you're you're a big Domino's fan, and got, you have a movie coming out about this. Is 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 that when's it coming? Late March, early April. I just directed my first feature. Uh, it's called Domino Battle of the Bones. I grew up on Domino's. I I think that one, it's a great uh, game to play to teach numbers. My kid, he's five and the other one is six. And so we have domino games. And to me, I wanted to create, you know, like an urban comedy similar to a Friday that just, that would show like where I was from, the people that, that I grew up with, but just kind of, I think the world needs, you know, to laugh and, and, and to kind of make fun of itself right now. And, you know, that's, uh, that's what I wanted to be my uh, directorial debut. That's terrific. And has the pandemic changed how you are distributing that or how it comes out? We're going to drive in theaters. So that's the cool part. Um, obviously, the pandemic has kind of slowed a lot of things down, but we'll be uh, in theaters and drive in theaters, and then we'll be on all streaming and VOD. That's terrific. That was Baron Davis, NBA All Star, philanthropist, entrepreneur, and as you just heard, Domino's champion. Barron is hyper-focused on expanding financial literacy, especially for young entrepreneurs of color. And that got me wondering, what's a conversation that you wish someone had had with you when you were growing up around money and how to manage it? What would have been helpful to know when you were in high school or college? And if you were the one now giving out that financial wisdom, what is it? I would love for you to share it on LinkedIn using the hashtag, thisisworking. To get more news and insights into our changing world, you can also follow our main LinkedIn page, which you can find by searching for LinkedIn News. Please share this podcast episode with a friend who feels passionately about sports, business, or financial literacy. You can get a link on your favorite podcast platform or share the newsletter you'll find on my profile. This is Working as a Production of LinkedIn. The podcast was produced by Sarah Storm with help from Dave Pond and Michaela Greer. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original video and audio. I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. 
Stay strong. See you soon.